then last week, uh, Karen and I were out of town. Um, and I'm happy and I'm excited to be back. I've, I've missed you. I love worshiping with all of you. And uh, I praise God that by his grace and by his mercy, we are a church and becoming a church that proclaims the greatness of Jesus Christ with all we have, with all we are. I, I pray that we become people who realize that without Jesus, we are nothing. And all, all our praise and worship belongs to him and him alone. Uh, through the weeks, many of you have, uh, have pulled me aside or, or even hinted about how I'm holding up with uh, everything on my plate, with my business, with preaching, with youth, music. Um, and and um, I appreciate that you've said that you're praying, praying for me. But I want to just say in reality, I really hope that all of you are keeping all of our congregation in, in prayer. Uh, all our leaders, all our servers, all of, so many of you do so much for this church. And you have jobs, and you have families, and you have things we don't even know about on your plate. And yet you serve the Lord faithfully. So I just want to thank you that you do this for the glory of Christ. And so it's a joy to be part of his church. And uh, how am I holding up? Yeah, sometimes I get tired. It's always really encouraging when someone comes up to you too and goes, man, you look tired. Well, thank you. You're a mess too. You know, I don't know what you're supposed to say uh, on that. But, uh, you know, we all get tired. And just so you're aware, I've talked to Steve and Jeff, and they watch closely over me. They ask often, how are you feeling? How are you doing? How's the family? How is Karen? How are you holding up? And I so much appreciate their leadership over me as we lead together. And, of course, I'm not one who, who uh, hides my feelings too well. Um, it's pretty easy to see how I'm doing. And so Karen and I have talked, and, and just so you know, the plan is for us every two months, uh, we're just going to take a Sunday and get out of here and uh, just take some time as a family, take, take some time either she and I, and uh, just get some rest, and we, and we won't be here on those days. Um, and I want to thank you for that, uh, that you would allow that to happen. So um, we've done this twice now, and we have really enjoyed our time together. Sometimes it's just a lot of time in the car. Other times it's doing something fun. It depends on how God's providing finances. You all know how that goes. But uh, we... Uh, we uh, Really appreciate the time of rest. And so I had a time of rest. And now, uh, and then, we had a month in missions, which I loved. I loved proclaiming uh, the greatness of our God and how the gospel is going forth across the earth. Uh, it's, I hope you enjoyed last month. I certainly did. And uh, next week, it's almost like we've taken another break. And next week, please, please come back. Pastor Nilo, uh, Pastor Nilo from the Philippines will be opening God's word to us. I don't know if, you, if you've never heard him preach. He's a wonderful preacher. He is a, I can't speak highly enough. He's my friend, so yes, I'm biased. But he is a man of God who uh, is just faithful to God's call in his life. And God is using him mightily uh, in the Philippines. And so please, please come back. But today we're back. We're back in Ephesians. So if you would turn to uh, Ephesians 3 and uh, verses 14 through 20. You know, as I sit down to write and as I prepare through the week, I always think, oh yeah, I'm going to get through this far. And then I start writing out and then I never, ever make it. So um, we're just going to, uh, we're just going to push through this passage and take our time because it's so rich and so great. And then we'll go into a time of community. So let's pray and then uh, we'll, we'll get to our text. Gracious Father, thank you. Thank you for the blessing it is to gather 
together as your people. Lord, we sit in here today as those who were once dead in our sins, once powerless to please you, ones without any righteousness on our own. But Father, you by your mercy and your grace, you moved within us and your spirit wakened us. And Father, we have life in Jesus Christ. And Lord, we proclaim that life today. We proclaim what you have done. And we are thankful for the power that you give us. And so Father, this morning, we would ask for your Holy Spirit to move among us. Father, Lord, with my words this morning, may you guide and direct them. And Father, with all of our hearts, as we look into your word, Father, may it do an awesome work in our lives. May we see what needs to be changed and what needs to be done within our lives. May we give you glory from what we will see in your scriptures today. It's in Jesus' great name we pray. Amen. So let's, uh, let's look at our text. We're at Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to spend some time over the next weeks in chapter, uh, chapter 3, 14 through 20. And of course, we will have a break uh, for Easter Sunday, which you'll hear about more a little bit today uh, in our meeting. But let's, let's look at our passage. Chapter 3, verse 4 of Ephesians. 14, excuse me. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So in our text where we're at, we see Paul's praying for the church. And in this passage, we have three components to Paul's prayer. And we see, one, how we should pray what we should pray, and why we should pray. And we'll be getting to that. And I know that you're beginning to see that I'm a big believer in reviewing things. And I really hope, and I've been praying for all of us, that you are gaining an understanding of this great letter, that you're gaining an understanding of the book of Ephesians. You know, we uh, haven't been in, in Ephesians since January, and in our text back then, we saw how we should pray. And I want to hit on this because this is so important in case you missed it or weren't here. We need to be a humble people in our prayers. We need to pray with humility. When Paul says he bows his knees before the Father, we see how Paul prays, and we need to follow his example. See, Paul prays, and we need to pray with humbleness. We are to come humbly before our Heavenly Father. And I like how the psalmist said, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. Why? He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture. We are the sheep under His care. We need to recognize who we are. We need to recognize who God is. And as we come to pray, we can come boldly because of Jesus Christ. But yet we come humbly because God is great, God is mighty, and God is holy. And so when we bow down before the Father and we kneel before him, we show and we recognize that God is great and gracious. 
We remember his mercy and his grace. We remember our salvation. We remember our adoption, our forgiveness of sins. And we remember all that he's done for us. And Paul lays it out in this letter all the way up till now. He tells us of God's work in us. And then Paul says, remember in chapters 1, chapter 2, every spiritual blessing we've been blessed with in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to tell us, you've been adopted, you've been forgiven, you've been saved, you've been sealed. You've been made alive. And he says, for this reason, I bow down. Because of God's grace, I kneel before my Father. That's what salvation does, doesn't it? When we realize we were dead in our sins and God made us alive and seated us with Christ, not by any works of our own, but 100% because of the grace of God, we bow down and we kneel in humble thankfulness. We are humbly thankful when we see all God has done. We are humbly dependent and we are even desperate for God to work within us to empower our lives for godliness. In Christ, we are also humbly confident. We are confident that our humble prayers are heard. And we're confident because we have seen and we have experienced this truth in our lives that God is for us. That God has called us. That God has saved us. And God has sealed us with the Holy Spirit. And God has blessed us with everything we need in Christ Jesus. God is so faithful. And so we're humble before him. So we pray with humility. Well, second, what we want to focus on then today is this, or partly today, and we'll, we'll, we'll finish up next time we're up. Today we want to focus on what we should pray. But we're going to dive in. What do we humbly pray for? You ever thought about that? What do we pray for? We pray for a lot of things, don't we? I always think of the high school student, and I always say, hey, you ever pray, pray at school? Oh, yeah, all the time. What do you pray? Help! <laughs> Help on the test. Any of you ever been in a moment of, of chaos? Maybe a car accident's about to happen, and you have that split second, and the Holy Spirit really intervenes, even in a moment of trial, and you cry out to God. We pray quickly sometimes. Sometimes we have very uh, thought-out prayers. I need to pray about this, and we spend time. But we pray often, but what do we, or what should we pray humbly for? And here's the answer. Here's what Paul says in this text. We pray for the fullness of God's power and love within our lives. I'm going to say that again. We should be praying for the fullness of God's power and the fullness of God's love within our lives. We see this in our text. Let's look at these phrases about power and about love. Paul says this, that according to the riches of your glory, of his glory, he may grant you, verse 16, to be strengthened with power. Verse 17, to be rooted and grounded in love. Verse 18, have strength, have the ability to comprehend God's love. Verse 19, to know the love of Christ. And also in verse 19, to be filled with all the fullness of God. And in verse 20, all of this, according to the power that works in us. So today we're going to see what we should be praying for. And when Paul uses language like strengthened, rooted, 
firmly established, fully comprehending, knowing, filled with all the fullness of God. Paul is praying for the church to move past an intellectual and knowing theology and move into a life that experiences the reality of all God has done for us in Christ. Paul is praying that the readers of this letter would experience all of what he wrote in the previous chapters. See, so many times we know so much about theology. Do you know you could be an expert theologian and you could be not saved? Isn't that a crazy thought? But there are professors who know the works of Jonathan Edwards, the early Puritans, Augustine, church history, church founders, and they do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ and they have no power for holiness and they have no power for godly living. But yet they may know the scriptures better than even you and I. How does that happen? We need the fullness of God's power and the fullness of God's love within us so that Christ may dwell within us. That is what the text says. And we've seen, why does this happen? Because they're dead in your sins. You see, we need an awakening of the Holy Spirit for all this to work. It's not just your mind. And man, we like to be smart. Why do we like to be smart? Now, I'd like to be smarter. But why do we like it? Pride. I have sat in counseling situations with people who said, who were in grave sin. Grave, grave, horrible sin. And I said, we need to see you in church on Sunday. Oh, I'm going to a different church. We need you in church. Well, I'm going to a different church. How come? Well, I learned about the covenants of Israel. I'm almost verbatim. I learned about the covenants in Israel and how they move into the New Testament. And I'm sitting here and my heart was breaking because he was saying, I learned so much and yet there was powerlessness, if that's a word, he was not able to see the grave sin he was in. It'd be tragic to know so much. It's almost like in James, the demons believe and they tremble and they fear. I think the devil and his demons have pretty good theology. They know God. They know what's going to happen, but yet their heart is hardened. Let us not be those people. We need to experience it. It needs to move us. It needs to work within. And I want to say something to you. As we experience God's great power and God's great Lord love towards sinners, I want to let you know something. And I'm going to say it to you today in this way. Every single one of you whom God has saved has a powerful, powerful testimony of grace. Huge, dynamic resurrection power has come upon your lives through Christ Jesus. You don't even know and we don't fully understand yet. But this is what Paul's praying. That you would know the power of God. Don't ever think your testimony is boring. Whether you are a church kid. Who was saved at an early age. Or whether you have one of those testimonies that you were just a mess. And God saved you. Every single believer has a powerful testimony of Christ's work and God's work in their lives. Do you know that? 
Does the truth of your salvation ignite your life? Does your salvation ignite you to worship? Does your salvation fuel desire for holiness? Is your source of strength in this life the power of Jesus Christ and the infinite love of God? Because that is what we desperately need to pray for. Paul prays for what we desperately need. And this is what we need. We need to be strengthened by the Spirit's power. Look at verses 16 and 17. The first part of verse 17. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Paul prays that according to the riches of his glory, of God's glory, that God may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that for the purpose of Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Do you see this? Paul is using some good language here. Strengthen the inner man. Where do we need our strength? Where do we need our strength? Where should we focus our fitness? Our spiritual fitness on the inside, in the heart. Where is sin conquered? In your heart. Where do we find courage to proclaim the gospel? Within. Where do we find grace and mercy to love as Christ has loved us? In the inner man. It's within us, in our hearts and in our souls. We need, to, we need God's mighty power. It is God's power that does this. It is not our own. And we need our hearts to be strengthened. In uh, 2 Corinthians 4.16, Paul says this. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. I love that verse. Because most of us in here, I, uh, if I'm, I'm hurting your feelings, I, I apologize. But we're wearing out, aren't we? Some of you young people in here today, I, I hate to tell you, but you're about to peak. You're going to hit your prime, and then I'm just going to tell you, it's all downhill. When I was 31, almost 32, I ruptured my patellar tendon playing basketball game, and I have not been the same since. I've been a mess. My body fights me now. At a men's retreat about seven or eight years ago, we were throwing the mush ball softball around. And I know it's hard to believe, but I was actually a pretty decent athlete and a pretty good baseball player, and I hit the ball a ton. I sent it. And someone turned to me and said, I didn't know you were an athlete. You have no idea how that wounded me. <laughs> Even earlier than that, we were on, I think I've told you the story, we were on a missions trip to Mexico, and we were playing soccer with the village, with the men in the village, and they came time to pick teams. I have never been picked last in my life. <laughs> they said, hey, pick the old guy last. They picked me last. I was even younger. I mean, Kelsey was just a, not even, Kelsey wasn't even, we found out about Kelsey on that trip. Um, so that tells you how long ago it is. And uh, they picked me last. And I turned to, to one of my interns, I said, give me the ball. 
And I give the ball, I dribble down, and Scott scored a goal. Yes, I was El Capitan the next day. Thank you. <laughs> but I was, I was really offended about this. You see, our body breaks down. It wastes away. We have bad backs. It fights us. Look, we're wearing out physically, but inside, we could be as unhealthy as, as we could be aching, groaning, crippled, old. And yet you can have the most powerful spiritual life till the moment you die to go to be with Jesus. Because God powerfully works and changes us. It is the complete opposite of our bodies. Our soul and our heart is in the care of God. And Paul is praying, I want you to know the fullness of his strength. I want you to know the fullness of God's love. I want you to know this. Comprehend it. Experience it so that your life is changed. And oh, isn't that the way we want to be judged? What a horror it would be to go to your funeral, to go to your memorial service, and they said, man, he was good looking. (laughs) And that's all they got. You know, we laugh, but sometimes you go to others and you could tell people are stretching. They're going, I don't know what to say. This guy was wicked. This guy was evil. But what if they said, no, he was a loving husband by the power of Christ. He told others about Jesus because of the power of Christ. Because of the power of Christ, he was a good father. Because of the power of Christ, he was a good neighbor. He was a great employee. There was something different. And what was different? His inner man and your inner man is being renewed and strengthened because of the fullness of God's strength and love in our lives. We must be different. And this is what Paul prays for. He prays for strength and for power. This dynamic, dynamite power is what the word means. And that's what he's praying. Why? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. You see the request that Paul gives here right in this first part. To be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. And Christ to dwell in our hearts. These belong together. You can't separate them. You see the language Paul is using. Inner man, the heart. And then in verse 16 also, the strength of the spirit, the indwelling of Christ. How can we not be strong? How can we not be different with the spirit and Christ living within us? And by that's one and the same. The Holy Spirit's job is always to reveal Christ. That's what he does. And so Paul is saying this, Christ dwells in our hearts by the spirit. Christ dwells in us. Christ dwells in believers. He dwells in you and me. Christ does not, God does not any longer dwell in a tent or a tabernacle or in a temple. He dwells in you. You are a dwelling of God. That is power. That is infinite love. Do we know who we are? I think we forget. I know I forget. God is taking up residence in us. He dwells in us. And the word dwell, listen, this is important. God, Christ, is taking up residence. We are his dwelling place. How many of you have ever checked into a hotel room and then said this? Let's go out to Ikea and purchase a desk for this place. (laughs) Or we need a lamp in here. You ever checked into a whole hotel room and said, let's paint. Let's add some canned lighting. Let's add a hot tub. 
No, why? We only temporarily occupy a hotel room, right? Hopefully you've no more than a couple days. You start missing home after a while. I don't care if it's the four seasons or what. Nothing's better than home. See, we occupy or inhabit a hotel room, but we don't invest time, energy, or money to change or fix a hotel room. We take what we paid for. But what about when we dwell somewhere? What about when we have this idea of a long-term resident, one who settles down, one who becomes permanent in a place? D.A. Carson put it this way. When Christ takes up residence in a believer, it's like a couple who purchase a home that needs a lot of work. Over time, they clean it up, they make repairs, remodel, and fix what's broken and useless. Eventually, they say, this house has been shaped to our needs and to our style. I'm comfortable. He also said it this way. When Christ, by his spirit, takes up residence within us, he finds a moral equivalent to trash. Black and silver wallpaper and a leaky roof. He sets about turning this residence into a place appropriate for him. A home for which he is comfortable. When a person takes up long-term residence somewhere, their presence eventually, eventually characterizes that dwelling. When Christ first moves into our lives, he finds us in bad repair. It takes a great deal of power to change us. And that is why Paul prays for power. By his power, Christ is changing us into a house that pervasively reflects his character. Do you see what God is doing for us? You see what Paul is praying? It's amazing. It really is amazing. And so we should be people who desperately and humbly pray this. God, according to the riches of your glory, would you grant Grace Bible Church to be strengthened with power through your Holy Spirit in our inner being. We need this so that Jesus Christ would dwell within us. We should pray that as a church. How do you pray? What do you pray for in your community groups? Imagine praying for your children this way. Gracious Father, according to the riches of your glory, would you grant Kelsey... Emily and Katie May to be continually strengthened with power through your Holy Spirit in their inner being so that Jesus Christ would dwell within them and take up residence within their hearts so that you would powerfully change them into young ladies who reflect your design and character. Pray this for your children. Pray this for one another. Husbands, are we praying this for our wives? Wives, please pray this for your husband. Children, you want to know how to pray and what to pray for? Pray for this for your parents, for your mother and father. Church, pray this prayer for your pastors. Pastors, we need to pray this for our congregation. We need to pray for God's power to make us into a people and a church that looks like Christ. 
people should walk in and say, that has God's style. That has God's design. Again, you know what's also great about this? Praying this prayer is proper and it's good. We know it's a prayer God answers. We know it's a prayer that we can agree with God on. We don't have to wonder. So you can pray in full faith and just go. I'm praying this. I'm praying that we understand the fullness of God's strength and love. We pray with confidence. It's a prayer that he answers. He's changing us. Have you experienced the change of God in your lives? I know you have. I know many of you have. What are those areas God has changed you? Some have gone from drunk to sober. Some have gone from angry to loving. Some have gone from being cursed, cursers to blessers. Immoral to pure. From greed to contentment. From a liar to a truther. Truth teller? A warrior to one who has peace. Someone who was selfish is now a giver. One who hates, who now loves. From a racist to one who loves all and is a uniter. A thief to a worker. This is our powerful testimony. This is who we were. But we're by the power of God and the love of God within us, Christ dwells within us and we are being changed into his style. You know what that's like. When you walk into someone's house, you can tell their style. Somebody says, ooh, I like, I, my wife has said that a ton of times. I like their style. I know, me too. And then we say, I wonder what they say about us. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because it's our style. And we have fashioned our home to a place that we're comfortable. Christ is fashioning us and changing us. We have so much more in this text, but we're going to move into a time of communion. We're going to sing a little bit today. We've been doing communion really different in the last few months, different, different ways. But God's power changes us. And I hope you see this today. Did, it's really a simple point. But go this week and pray this way. You see, we are unable and we are too weak to do anything holy and God-pleasing apart from the power of God working within us. Just realize it and accept it. It's a wonderful thing, really. Because when you do it on your own, you do not do it. But God works mightily within us and we praise him. And all the glory then goes to him. And not to us. And I don't know, I think this is a great way to start our time of communion. I'm going to ask Pastor Jeff to come up after, after I pray. And he's going to lead us in our communion time so I could uh, play guitar as we sing, as we pass out. But just spend moments here uh, in a time of transition after I say amen. And focus on, on a time of prayer in your own hearts. And then Jeff will lead us. And uh, we will pass out and, you know, the, the cup and the bread. And we're going to celebrate the power of God today. 
Because it's through the cross that we have, and the resurrection, that we have unlimited power in Christ. And it's not power to do crazy things. It's power for holiness. It's power to be changed. What a testimony that is. That we could say God took Ron from a mess into a dwelling place that I'm pleased with. Ron didn't do this. God did it. And he did it for you and he did it for me. Amen? So let's worship and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we didn't get terribly deep, but we got amazingly deep today. Because as we focus on your love and your grace and your mercy and the power that you have given us through Jesus Christ and the love that we have and the truth that Christ indwells us through the power of the Holy Spirit, it's amazing. Father, you've taken us and you're repairing us. You're fixing us. Oh yeah, our outer body is decaying, but inside, Lord, you are doing a marvelous, powerful work. And so, Father, I pray we remember this, I pray we know this, and I pray that this is what we experience and know in such a way that people will see us, that people will see our church, that people will see our families, and our marriages, and our parenting, and our working in the workforce, and they would see a powerful life, not based on our own strength, but 100% fueled by your mercy and by your love and by your grace. Thank you for what you have done for us. We are so thankful because we are powerless on our own, but in you, we have great, great strength because you are a great and mighty God who works within us. Lord, as we move into a time that we celebrate the cross and we remember what you have done for us, oh Lord, may we not be flippant about it. But Father, may you, may you work within our hearts, may you bring to mind the greatness of your love and mercy that you poured out in us as we remember your death. And we will do it until you come back. And Lord, please come quickly. We long to see you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.